0: And that's really our vision here at Dealers to get millions of people around the world working for the best companies, irrespective of their location. You know, talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And location should not get in the way of somebody landing their dream job, nor should it get in the way of an organisation finding the best candidate for the role. The
1: New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host Paul Spain, great to be here and today we have uh, Shannon Karaka
0: with us. How are you Shannon? Very well thank you, a little bit jet lagged after a three hour flight but, <laughs> but all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, good to be early,
1: early start for you today, uh, no doubt. Coming coming across from yeah. where Sydney was it today? Yeah,
0: from Sydney, uh, yeah. six am this morning. Got up and trying to get through customs in in Sydney is a nightmare. So just made the flight, but good to be here in New Zealand. It's been a few years as well, so yeah, it's good to be back on on home soil. Yeah, well, yeah. welcome home. Uh, yeah. Maybe you
1: can fill listeners in. We we fit into this big wide world of of tech within
0: the. Asia-Pacific or Australia-New Zealand sort of region? Sure, yeah. So my in my current role, I'm the country leader and head of expansion at Deal for Australia and New Zealand. Joined the company just over a year ago as the second employee in APAC, but now we've scaled the team. I believe the latest number is just over 50 across Australia and New Zealand. So yeah, it's, it's been a quite a journey. Um, great to be here officially launch, uh, launching the market in New Zealand as well. It's been a, a long time coming. And I spent the past over 10 years working for a variety of technology companies, fell into a FinTech out of university, and I've been very fortunate and privileged to have worked at some of the greats, Google, Salesforce, WeWork as well, and now, now Deals. So I think, uh, yeah, working in technology uh, businesses and getting to be a part of, you know, the innovation and the future has um, become a passion of mine over time. And uh, it's great to be part of such a disruptive technology in the industry and in a world where global um, the global workforce has shifted to working remote. And we've seen that evolve to you know to work from anywhere now. Yeah, and we're yeah. playing in that space and facilitating that. So oh,
1: That's really cool. Well, definitely looking forward to mm. um, delving in and, and hearing about uh, Deal. Also yeah. want to thank our, our show partners, which um, as of I think, a week or so ago, Deal's come on board. Um, so thank you to uh, two degrees Vodafone spark uh, HP gorilla technology and deal for supporting uh, New Zealand Tech podcast and mm. and really the the broader uh, tech and innovation ecosystems here here in New Zealand so uh, great to be great to be working with you
0: um,
1: and uh, yeah great to be able to have you have you on the on the show um, for a bit of an intro but Let's jump in to start with a few, I guess, you know, a few um, tech topics that have caught the attention um, this week. Now, one of those is we've learnt that Google, or I guess Alphabet, is the, the the bigger entity. As with really everyone. Silicon Valley and, and and beyond has been dealing with some some pretty interesting times going through COVID, mm-hmm. and we've been hearing about um, the uh, the chief executive uh, Sundar um, Pichai um, talking about this this need for the uh, the workforce at Google. Uh, to get more efficient, which I, you know, I think is is uh, is quite interesting, specifically to become twenty percent more more efficient, mm. and um, many of us will will remember um, Google with their twenty uh, percent rule around uh, enabling staff to spend sort of twenty percent of their time or or a day a week, you know, working on sort of side projects and and things in terms of their developers and and people within um, those areas of, um, Mm. um, you know, invention and and innovation. And, you know, quite a number of things, you know, came out of that. In fact, I think, uh, if I recall correctly, Gmail was one of those, you know, one of those things back in the day that... Yeah. That, that 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 came out of that, mm. um, but um, yeah, seeing the the um, headlines that uh, their internal R and D group called Area One One Twenty uh, canceling half its uh, half its projects. One of the projects that I read about was um, the Google made uh, upcoming Chromebook uh, that's been that one's mm. uh, been sort of kicked to the curb so it's quite interesting i guess looking in in hmm. the journey of google as a very you know very innovative you know company that have created so many things and if you if you look back they you know probably just as many things that they've cancelled in terms of projects maybe more than those that have kind of made it made it through but hmm. you know they they still i guess continue to do some some really, you know, impressive, impressive work, and they've got that scale, uh, that talent, the funding uh, to be able to keep doing, keep doing new things. But at some point, there has to be sort of a limit, doesn't there, in terms of how much, how much money you can, you can mm. throw at these things, it's especially when the, uh, you know, I guess to to a degree, we, you know, we hear about. Concerns of of you know recession, yeah, uh, ongoing. You know, and and you know a lot of tech companies, uh, well, you know certainly some of the big companies have already you know made moves. You know, Microsoft have mm. have uh, you know laid off a sort of sub one percent of their workforce. But you know there are there are moves afoot within these big tech players to make sure that uh, uh, you know they're operating in a way that sort of I guess. Mm. They consider responsible to their uh, their shareholders, right? So yeah. this looks like part of that that they're they're culling stuff that they just don't think is actually ever going to turn into uh, turn into something.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. I was actually fortunate enough to work for Google a couple of for a couple of years, many many years ago now. And I think Google does a really good job at retaining employees. Uh, I remember working there. Uh, getting fed breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. They had a barista <laughs> on life. site. Yep. Snacks for days, whatever mm. you like. Mm. And I think to your point, this is a reflection of the the climate that we're living in. Google has shareholders that they need to report to, and right now it's looking like that we're heading towards a recession. So it's a probably a decision to you know get in, get in front of that because the alternative potentially is to to let go of employees. And we're seeing that in the market across the board right now. So that's what I think. But I ultimately, like Google's still a fantastic company to work for, regardless. And um, I've still got some friends that work there and enjoying the the, the, the variety of benefits that they offer their their staff uh, as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Now um, another company that's a yeah, it's a it's a pretty big player, been around a lot longer than uh, than Google. Hmm. Adobe have been in the news over the last few days uh, in relation to acquiring Figma, and for those for those that aren't familiar, uh, yeah, Figma make fantastic software uh, that that get, gets used, I guess, by designers and web you know web developers and so on to um, you know things from building wireframes of of new whether it's a mobile app or websites and. Um, and other things, you know, very very broadly used software. In fact, I was reading something just just in the last in the last month or two, comparing Figma to their competitors and how they managed to outmaneuver competitors mm. that you know possibly were, uh, you know, had the chance to maybe outmaneuver Figma, but mm. Figma has ended up, uh, you know, doing better and really mm. you know commanding the the biggest. Um, you know, slice of the market. So, with Adobe, with this move from Adobe, twenty billion US dollars. That's a that's a pretty big, uh, a pretty big bet. I think mean, it's going to be quite fascinating to see how mm. how things shake out. Do the do the other players? Uh, you know, wh- what are, what do they do? Will they be able to use this then to sort of you know maybe get that attention um, because they become the the smaller players? Figma is sort of now part of Adobe. Mm. Um, from Adobe's uh, announcement, they're they're really sort of talking about leaving leaving Figma alone. Um, but you always wonder how you know how long do these sorts of things go on for uh, before they they want to make some changes, you know, big or small. You know, do they pull? Figma, which you know today, I think you can use for for smaller projects for free mm. uh, to some degree, depending on what you know which capabilities that you you might need and so on. Um, you know, will is that something that will disappear? Yeah, and maybe the not the not too distant uh, future. Mm. Uh, does Figma to use Figma? Will you effectively need an Adobe subscription in future, which uh, I'm sure would. Would, uh, would likely be a higher cost than what folks are sort of spending today, uh, which creates, a, you know, I guess an interesting dilemma for some organisations at the probably bigger end of town. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not so much of a big deal, but for, I guess, a lot of those independent, smaller software developers and uh, web shops and, and so on that might use Figma today, I can imagine there's going to be a bit of interest in, in what uh, maybe those smaller competitors are doing. Unless they're already some, you know, they're already in a position where they're, they they've got Adobe licenses and mm. subscriptions, and uh, yeah. and actually it's not going to impact them
0: at all. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it, uh, how it shakes out, right? I think uh, what's really interesting about this acquisition is that it's happening now. You know, quite a sizable acquisition, twenty billion dollars, when the the global economy is leading towards recession. It demonstrates there is still money being thrown about. Um, the impact to end users, you know, to your point, I think, you know, Adobe potentially it could be a strategy for them to, to be more dominant in this space, of course. Um, and with then users like software developers and engineers that you referred to, I'm sure there are other competitors that are more affordable that they could explore on the back of this. I liken the acquisition to Salesforce's strategy, um, acquisition spree while I was working there, uh, acquiring, you know, various businesses. And some of those businesses were integrated into Salesforce's ecosystems, others were not. Mm, um, mm. But it's about tiering the solution to accommodate for a variety of end users from, you know, um, software engineers all the way up through to enterprise as well. So I think we might see a tiering of the of the solution as that's integrated into the Adobe stack. Mm. Yeah.
1: And Adobe have had um, Adobe XD, which has has sort of been somewhat considered, um, you know, competing product mm-hmm. to Figma. Uh, so it looks as though that has already, um, you know, been winding down for uh, for some time. Certainly not a uh, not a product I've been following following too mm. too closely. So yeah, interesting uh, interesting times ahead. Now um, also on the uh, I guess. Sort of soft, yeah, very much software related as a, mm. as a lot of stuff as uh, um, these days. Um, really interesting news on some research that's been going on um, between the University of uh, Michigan um, in the US and then the uh, Zhejiang um, University in in China. Um, Looking at video conferencing software, I think the, the references I've read have um, have been, uh, you know, mentioning uh, probably Zoom more than more than anything. But re- realistically, um, this particular concern really could be relevant to um, mm. you know to, to any platform, and it's focusing in on how folks like me. Who are wearing glasses when they're on a video call? You know, are they inadvertently revealing you know confidential uh, information via the screen reflections onto their glasses? Uh, which I think is just is just fascinating. We've moved to this world where you know all of us are doing video calls and and. Uh, yeah, it's just become so so the norm mm. and uh, now now we read actually this could uh, this could could be a bit of a drama from a, a security perspective so you know it, it, it raised some questions and and what I've read online sort of talks about different font sizes and you know camera resolution so you know you've got to have um you know, it talks about text um as small as ten millimeters being able to. You know, on your screen, be reflected back and picked up by a 720p webcam. Now, I think there's a degree to which their their research is going to need to be modernised because we actually see more and more webcams that are that are full HD or 1080p, and you know, there's even a bit of a bit of 4K starting to come through in terms of webcams. Um, but they're saying you know, text of that size, uh, you know, can be reflected back and uh, and possibly picked up if a you know, if a call is being recorded mm. uh, in uh, in 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 some way, so yeah, quite fascinating. I, I guess the the message is be very careful of what uh, what confidential data you have on your uh, uh, on your screen or or what anything that might embarrass you on your screen. Do uh, if you're wearing glasses, so uh, you know you don't you don't have that challenge, but um, there's there's plenty plenty of us that do, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, um, that's that's an interesting dilemma. And to your point, you know, since the inception of COVID, we've moved to a world where, as you've said, you know, video conferencing and Google Meet, Zoom, WebEx, et cetera, has become normal. And I think sometimes things like this can be overlooked and it's fascinating to see now that, you know, it's being spoken about. Um, it's a consideration that I guess you need to keep in mind. And I know certain providers over time have had, um, security scares so I'm sure equally uh, they'll be aware of this and implement implementing new approaches to ensure that uh, this doesn't happen you know into the future as well but yeah really interesting yeah fortunately I don't have glasses on so I haven't been impacted by that but um, you might have to invest in some <laughs> some contact lenses Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well I think I already use anti-reflective coating uh, and so go. on
1: so yeah and I, ha- I have noticed actually being on um, some calls and I, I had some different glasses. I had a spare pair. Mm. probably didn't have a reflective coating on mm. it and I was must have been on a, maybe it was a recorded call or a podcast or something that was, was being videoed or TV. And, yeah, it was kind of really obvious like, oh, wow, that's really reflective. And so yeah. it is something to, to consider and uh, maybe the reflective, having the, the anti-reflective coating is uh, is all you need, but the certainly, something we'll be yeah. will be we'll be following. Um, and I can imagine if that's getting a bit of attention, uh, you know, we will probably we'll probably see a little bit more of a focus on it, and um, no doubt some uh, some either bad scenarios in terms of data getting leaked or some embarrassing, you know, scenarios maybe, uh, particularly <laughs> as as we see those sort of higher definition you know uh cameras mm. are becoming becoming more of the norm um now also in the in the news uh this week uh new cameras from you know GoPro uh first of all and then interesting to see that um you know DJI who have been you know we've known them for their drones have mm. been really trying to uh trying to edge in and and take a, a you know a slice of that um uh of that market and so when the, the new GoPro Hero Eleven uh, was announced, and there's uh, there's there's two uh, different products uh, this this time. Um, in fact, I think they've got technically they've yeah it's kind of two and a half um, products. They've got um, you know they've got a blood they've got a I guess a smaller smaller version of the um, the camera. And then there's one that they're offering that has some extra accessories and so on, as far as uh, GoPro goes. But there, there seems to be, um, I just from the the bits and pieces that I've looked at so far, and haven't had hands on the new GoPro yet, um, but have you know regularly tried out uh, and utilized both the sort of GoPro products and the and the DJI. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think um, GoPro seem to be from what the way I I've, I've seen it so far, uh, more committed to supporting their their products over a longer term in terms of you know firmware improvements and and fixes, um, even to the fact that I mean, one of the one of the DJI um, cameras I had, uh, they stopped releasing updates for it while it still had a you know relatively sort of major major bug in it that was impacting right. Um, right. folks, whereas GoPro seemed to you know really support their their devices over a longer period. Um, And then I guess this is maybe the contentious piece is Mm. that uh, GoPro are moving more to a uh, subscription type model. So I have um, uh, the GoPro subscription and what that allows me to do is not to have to stress about how much content that I've got from a GoPro device because just sits in their cloud, oh, and I so see. you it's, it's, you know you, yeah. you pay your um you know your monthly you get your annual um fee, and you've got unlimited storage mm. of of your GoPro footage. So you can go nuts and have multiple cameras. You can you know record loads of footage, 360, 180 degree, just standard footage, whatever you like, and yeah. uh, and it's and it's no stress, and it's not kind of crazy money to be on that. Um, so that I, th- I think last I read they'd uh, they'd passed sort of two million subscribers. So that Crazy. kind of puts them into quite a good you know yeah. good position with that recurring revenue, as well as the new cameras sort of continuing to come out, mm. um, you know, on an annual basis, much much like our iPhones and you know Android Android phones. What's what's your take on uh, you know on where these things are landed? Because there's so much we can do on our on our smartphones, do you mm. use a sort of action camera yourself? Are you more just use what's built into your your iPhone, your Android?
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, when I, uh, GoPro burst onto the scene, 10-plus years ago it must have been, mm. I think it was um, a massive hit across Australia and New Zealand. I personally had one. Uh, I would say back then I was in their target market as well, used to go out in the outdoors quite a lot. And then if you look at the way that – Uh, the Apple iPhone has evolved over time. Having two devices almost becomes a little bit less practical and um, for me personally, uh, iPhone, so easy to take them around you. have already got it with you, right? You've already got it with you. It's a big advantage. That's the thing. Using it for so many other things. Plus it's got the the capability of the iPhone now is far superior to what it was back then Mm. and they're quite durable devices. So um, that's my own personal preference but it's interesting to hear that uh, GoPro has gone down the software as a service route with the cloud-based subscription because I think about, you know, when you're out in the outdoors, kayaking, hiking, whatever it might yeah. be, if you damage or lose the GoPro, you've still got all of that, you know, all of those photos, all of those videos backed up in the cloud. So I think it's a smart approach from them. And
1: Yeah, and also their subscription sort of covers you for – and they're, I guess there's a there's a degree in which they're trying to – edge in and, and sort of take sales off the retailers, right? You can still buy a GoPro through a mm. retailer, but it's generally it's cheaper to buy it off them with your subscription. Um, so they've kind of got their, their, you know, now the retail chains help them sort of launch the brand and and it you know, continues probably to be a very important you know part for them. Mm. Um, but once you're on board, they kind of, I think they're hoping you will buy off them and they tempt you with the pricing. And with that subscription... Wondering what it what it's costing in, in New Zealand now. I'll have a see if I can have a look. But with that subscription, you also get a kind of a level of um, customer support. Insu- ins- and like an insurance, so you, sure. you damage or break your GoPro, oh, I um, see. then um, then you've got a kind of low cost route to getting it uh, fixed or replaced, sort of thing as well. So uh, um, yes, yeah, so it does seem like a pretty a pretty smart smart move.
0: Um, you know on their on their front. Well, if you look at consumers these days as well and the amount of applications that you subscribe to that you don't even notice, it's like a gym membership almost. Um, you sign up and you forget about it. So smart approach from them. Uh, interested to see the way that Go- GoPro will evolve into the future as well. If they'll incorporate AR or VR into their, into their stack as well. Um, remains to be seen. Yeah.
1: So the two models, Hero 11 Black and a Hero 11 mini mostly you know does away with the screen to a large degree although there is a little bit of a screen there um, seems to be quite a big mm. um, step up in terms of running time and um, yeah there's a few other areas but you know for those that are that are looking at a, at mm. a camera um, well we're sort of you know com- comparing you know what's available this year I think they're still selling the they'll still sell the, the hero 10 we're mm. sort of seeing similar thing there to to Apple and others where you can buy last year's model at a at a lower cost so they get um, you <laughs> DJI seem to sort of be pushing in with you know and and I'm sure people have their sort of you know preferences as we see between brands but my tech is probably a slightly sort of lesser you know lesser product in terms of some of the some of the capabilities you know in terms of like there I think the um uh you know DJI are sort of maxing out at um you know, lower resolution video and and mm. uh, and and photos, um, and as I say, you know, probably some differences there in terms of their firmware updates. But DJI are also coming in at a at a, at a really slick sort of price, so uh, so it keeps it keeps it a pretty competitive, I think, for the for the next few years ahead. Um, and yeah. of course, we shouldn't forget if you you know you're talking a little bit of a you know a battle between the two brands. Mm. That of course, GoPro, uh, they 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 made their effort at launching drones. Um, didn't go too well. They pulled out of that. I guess they're uh, they're kind of hopeful that DJI uh, might might not stick around in, in cameras. And I guess uh, that'll be something we see over the next few years. But uh, I wouldn't imagine it would make sense for DJI to uh, to pull out of that space.
0: But but who knows? Depends whether it, whether it's really profitable for them or not. Yeah, I, th- I think. Uh I think GoPro is GoPro is such a dominant player. It'd be interesting to see if DGI I will be able to you know create some market share and and steal from the GoPro audience. But yeah, what do you use your your GoPro for, Paul?
1: Oh, that's yeah, it's a good good question. Um, uh, my son filmed when when Tesla first sort of launched their um, on a semi-autonomous. Uh, capability for retrieving your car in a car park we ret- you know you got some good just good, oh, uh, good, good footage at the yeah. at the mall uh, footage on on road trips. The one bit I'm actually kicking myself that I you know I've, I sort of I guess I dabble with sort of getting the footage hmm. I was in, I was in the US was around sort of Christmas time and we were on a road trip from San Francisco to uh, to Yosemite looked up in the sky and was like beautiful what the heck is that in the sky and there was this just it was like what is that later I went on Twitter and found out it was a SpaceX launch going oh, from no. Los Angeles <laughs> that you know we where, where we were you know you could see the whole thing going off and yeah didn't I don't I don't think I captured that it was like oh that would have been really really cool uh to have had that footage so I, and during that trip, I mean, we went to so many different uh, places, and so we're wearing, you know, GoPro through, um, yeah, some very incredible parts of mm. sort of the the national parks and things like that. It's really cool to get footage, and just you know, strap it onto your body, and uh, you know, you get different bits of different mm. bits of content. Uh, definitely good for attaching to the vehicle and so on, as long as you attach it. Uh, securely, there's that that can be a little bit stressful as to whether a camera's gonna fall off your mm. car. Um but yeah, capture wildlife and and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, lots lots of uses I think for this sort of tech. And you don't necessarily want to be attaching your phone to the car or, you know, yeah, attaching just... your 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 phone for for all the footage. Um but there's definitely you yeah. know that crossover, right? And I think there are there are um, yeah, it just depends what you do. I've got friends who do a lot of surfing and um, some of the footage that they get um, on their surfboards, on their surfboards is, yeah. is just off the hook. And, like, you know, you think, yeah, you probably wouldn't be attaching your, your
0: phone to try and,
1: uh, try <laughs> and do not. that, right? So, <laughs> no, um, yeah,
0: You're right. I think yeah. New Zealand's such a great country for the outdoors as well. It's beautiful terrain and landscape. So if I was to see a SpaceX rocket... Go, I find I would have just gotten the iPhone out and yeah. <laughs> taken a few I mean, we were looking at just scratching our heads yeah. as to what it
1: was because it was kind of oh, just, crazy. this crazy shape in the in the in the sky, and uh, yeah, it was. It not until we got to our hotel later and I'm going look it was? on Twitter and everyone's saying what it was. It Probably was thinking like, it was a UFO um, or something over in the it US. Was, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy shape. Now I'm curious. I want to look look up what that one was. SpaceX launch. When was this? A few um, years ago, it was seventeen?
0: A few years back now. It's all
1: it's all a bit of a blur. It's sometime in the last, uh, I think the past few years has been past, a blur, hasn't yeah, it? Probably about past. Ah, uh, here it is twenty third of twenty third of December. Oh wow! Um, it and it's like kind a, of this balloon shaped thing with a with a sort of long tail um, behind the rocket. So because it was it was reasonably dark, you it was kind of this this luminescent sort of. In the you ending. know view behind, uh, behind the rocket, I I guess, and it was yeah, it was quite crazy. Yeah, it says here people were seeing it throughout you know from Southern California, Arizona, and it was a, a Falcon Nine launch, um, but that was it was their eighteenth launch for the year. It's probably whereas, normal
0: normal for them over there. They're used to seeing Milky yeah. Way in the sky. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, um, but the 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 pace of those things has just you know, it's gone nuts in terms of what they're uh, uh, what they're doing now. I can't quite remember how many they're they're up to, but um, I think you know this this year they're gonna. Well, they already broke their previous record, um, you know, about a month ago for the number of launches. So that's, a, that's another incredible, uh, incredible incredible firm doing some cool stuff. Yep. Um, now one last thing before we sort of delve into deal. We were talking about GoPro and this sort of subscription element. Another company that's been in the news is a company that you might not expect uh, to be relying on uh, software fees as a as a growing chunk of their revenue. Uh, mm. John Deere. Um, oh. <laughs> we know them for their tractors and, and you know what they have on the on the farms in terms of harvesters and 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 so on. And they have sounds like 10 percent of their revenues are expected to be through sort of software um, by 2030 so that's something that 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 they're uh, very much sort of scaling and I guess as time goes on there they will invest into the software that makes mm. their makes these what once were very old school things or not something that we would think of as, <laughs> as tech innovation uh, unless you're looking back at what tractors look like sort of I don't know, 70, 80 years ago, but uh, here we are in a time where vehicles are very much crossing into uh, into that software front.
0: I think it's a very interesting uh, play from John Deere to do that and looking at organisations that are you know, trying to forecast revenues, you know, with software as a service, you can commit businesses to multi-year deals and gives you visibility into run rate for the coming years, so... Interesting space. I'd be also interested to find out the type of software that they're implementing. Is it to manage their equipment, I'm assuming? Well, I think they've, they've,
1: they've got autonomous driving capabilities already on, on, the, on, on the farm oh, to varying degrees. Okay. And, you know, I think what, you know, the, what we'll see is that will increase. And, I you know, some of what I hear is that, you know, farmers actually, they you know, they quite enjoy sort of sitting on a, you know, sitting on their tractor yeah. and, and cruising. It's kind of, you know, it's sort of quiet time and and so on, but there's a need for more and more to be done, less and less people available who maybe want to do these types of jobs. And so, uh, you know, the more autonomy that comes through, and of course, yeah, we've seen a huge change over, you know, over a period of of decades from using animals to to pull, you know, ploughs and so on to to where we've, you know, really technology has, has... Has played an ever-increasing role and uh, now as we look more to software I think that that will be a continuous change.
0: Yeah I think John Deere's aware and recognizes the importance of innovation and that has been the trend over the past couple of decades so it sounds like they're at the forefront of that and thinking about the future ahead. Um, Yeah their name seems to keep
1: keep coming up. yeah, Yeah yeah Yeah, those poor farmers though, eh?
0: Going to be out of a, out of a job
1: soon, though. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I think there's there's certainly that interest in you know in the farming sector of yeah, being able to hand over certain certain things oh, to sure. technology and in some areas maybe the technology moves slower than than some mm. folks might like In other areas maybe it, it moves too fast at times. But um, you know, it's inevitable, isn't it? That uh, that the the innovation will continue.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think self-driving technology is obviously going to drive efficiencies within that industry. So it makes a lot of sense, That's for sure. Um, now,
1: tell us, tell us about Deal. How long uh, since you joined Deal and how big was, um, you know, was the business? And then I'm kind of keen to, yeah. you know, having, having a, a bit of a taste for that, uh, that growth to delve into uh, what
0: Deal's all about. Sure thing. Yeah, so I I joined Deal back in July 2021. And I was hired originally as the the second employee in APAC. Uh we hired another head of expansion in Singapore and had about one or two months with him until he decided to leave the business. So, it's a small period there where I was left on my own, but I was I was hired as the 198th employee globally and What's crazy, if you look at Deal's trajectory and what we've expanded to now, Deal globally has more than 1,400 employees. So I think that growth over that period of time is uncommon. And also across Australia and now New Zealand, we've scaled the team from myself to more than 50 employees across Australia and New Zealand. So it's been a lot of hard work uh, to say the least and a few more grey hairs on my head as well. But Look, it's really great to be in New Zealand. We've been operating here for just over a year now. Uh, we've grown our, our customer, our partner base, and it's great to be achieving another milestone with our official New Zealand launch that's happening tomorrow. And, yeah, and on a personal note, I'm originally from from New Zealand as well, so it's good to be here and to reconnect with fellow Kiwis and to reconnect with Kiwi businesses as well and to help them overcome uh, challenges that they're facing right now in, in the New Zealand economy. So... Yeah, that's a little bit of context about our, our story. Um, going into what we actually do, Deal is uh, the best way for companies to better hire, pay, and manage their global teams. We've uh, seen
1: that big big change, really, haven't we? Particularly uh, during during COVID, where I mean, here in New Zealand, we've only got you know so many people. There's been a sort of an outward flow of people rather than mm. you know the usual inward flow of uh, of talent. And so that that need to be looking at hiring offshore and other locations has, yeah, it's, I think it's it's massively sort of flipped over this past couple of years. So it's quite quite interesting timing. What are the you know what can you tell us in terms of mm. a, that sort of aspect where know yeah, New Zealand businesses? What are the challenges you see there? they're dealing with like do you know what the numbers are in terms of the out the outflow you know people sort of leaving the country because that's what creates this sort of talent crunch right
0: yeah I think on the back of COVID uh, New Zealand obviously closed their borders and you know that fueled new problem problems to solve and New Zealand's in the midst of an unprecedented workforce crisis The New Zealand Reserve Bank has come out and said that there are more than double the job vacancies than there are those unemployed And recent estimates highlighting that there are more than 10,000 workers or jobs that remain unfilled in the IT sector due to a lack of qualified candidates. And then if you look at the statistics from Statistics New Zealand, recent figures highlighting that the net migration outflow from New Zealand dates back to March 2021. And over that period, it's ranged from 1,500 New Zealanders up to 15,000 New Zealanders over time. So if that continues, obviously that creates a serious problem that New Zealand companies need to face. And I think there's been a lot of pent up demand for uh, New Zealanders wanting to go home to visit their families in uh, overseas markets, but also Mm. young New Zealanders as well, wanting to work overseas for a period of time and and do their whole overseas experiences thing. So I think the talent crunch uh, right now is being felt by New Zealand businesses. And that's a consistent pain that we hear. And our advice to them is that a change of strategy is required, especially in the short term, to fill those gaps. And uh, what we're categorised as a a global employer of record organisation, and what that essentially means is, say, a New Zealand company would like to hire someone in a different country, but they don't have the infrastructure to offer full-time employment, they don't have an entity set up, nor do they want to go through the process of incorporating because it takes six to nine months, it can be quite an expensive exercise to go down. And there are varying payroll and compliance obligations that need to be maintained. What Dill can do is employ that individual on behalf of that company and assume liability for them and all of the payroll and compliance obligations that are required by law.
1: And you've got all of the sort of technology pieces, right? Because there have been ways to hire people in, in other markets, sort of, you know, where you you hire through another company and so on, and that's been around in varying forms for for some time, but not necessarily very accessible to smaller firms and, and startups and so on. But you've kind of built the technology platform to be able to do that quite quickly. Maybe you can sort of speak to mm. the the foundations
0: of the business because this is a this is a Silicon Valley startup, yeah. is it? Yeah, that's right. So uh, the co-founders Alex Spores and Shua Wang met at MIT. Uh, back in 2019 and they were working at a previous startup going through the process of trying to hire contractors overseas and while going through that process quickly discovered how difficult it was to navigate international labor law, uh, corporate tax structures, payroll ecosystems that vary country to country and are constantly changing as well. So set out to solve those challenges through software and they built a, a global hiring platform initially to solve that problem of being able to hire contractors and payroll them compliantly across uh, 150 countries around the world. And our value proposition is baked into three key components. The first is compliance. Deal has gone through the process of incorporation across 90 countries around the, around the world. operating. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling to
1: get my head around that because <laughs> Deal's only been around, what, twenty I think it's Wikipedia tells me 20, 2018. And I'm sure Wikipedia details aren't probably perfectly accurate, but in a really short space of time to establish operations and in, in all of these countries and um, and start you know um, scale to actually be able to uh, make that work, right?
0: Yeah, I think Deal had a from the beginning um, was constantly thinking about how to evolve the solution to offer more you know, products to our customers and solve new challenges that they have. Many of the organisations that we work with in New Zealand prefer to offer full-time employment. So Deal went through a process, an entity opening spree over, a, you know, a couple of years. And um, and because of that, we're able to offer full-time employment across 90 countries around the globe right now. Uh, we've scaled from a handful of employees to more than 1,400 across 75 countries. Deal now serves more than 9,000 customers around the globe and one of the fastest growing companies to achieve the $100 million ARR milestone. So that's the re- annual recurring revenue, that's right. One of the fastest companies in the world mm. to go from 1 million to 100 million ARR. This is a reflection of reflection of the challenges that we're able to solve for our mm. clients on a, on a daily basis. Mm. Speaking to certain segments that we support in small to medium business, we're seeing organizations leverage deal because they want to expand into a new market and test a new hire and don't want to go through the process of setting up an entity, which can be expensive. If you don't have the in-house resources to support that, sometimes you get unstuck uh, with certain penalties or whatever it might be. So this is a really frictionless way for them to be able to hire or expand into a new country, test the market. And over time, as they build out the go to market, as they grow the business in that particular jurisdiction, they can go ahead and incorporate and, directly hire those employees over yeah, time. Yeah. We're also seeing organisations struggle, struggling with certain types of talent. The short for in the tech sector at the moment, many New Zealand companies are looking to other markets around the globe to solve that problem. And what's interesting about the data that we have is out of the top five common roles New Zealand companies are hiring right now, the top four are product-based or technology-based with software engineers, 3D modelers, software designers, Software developers occupy in the top four spots for New Zealand companies, which again is a reflection of the climate that we're living in.
1: So, is that is that what you're seeing in terms of you know those that are using Deal? Because you've been operating, you know, I guess quietly here in New Zealand yeah. for for the last twelve months.
0: You're seeing that that's the sort of interest that you're seeing as as well. I'd say the use cases are three consistent use cases that we're seeing organizations looking to solve a talent shortfall and are forced into a position where they need to consider the global talent pool but don't know where to start. That's one key use case that we're seeing. The second is mobility. So more and more New Zealand companies exploring uh, work from anywhere initiatives in an attempt to retain their employees. They might not have an entity set up in that country but they want to retain that individual because they're really important to the business. They spend a lot of time developing them. That individual has IP that they want to retain and they want to offer the employee the benefit of being able to work from their home country or work from overseas for a period of time. So that's another common use case, the leveraging deal as the employer of record to retain the employee, giving them the benefit of being able to work from overseas, but also enabling that, that customer to retain that employee as well. I'd say the third uh, most common use case is the expansion into new markets. Looking to test the new market for the first time. They might have found an amazing candidate that's ambitious. Uh, they might have been trying to find them in Australia or New Zealand for a period of time, but have been so unsuccessful and have found that candidate in another market that they don't currently support. So we can provide them with the mechanism to be able to compliantly hire and payroll. That individual with the eventual goal of potentially bringing them into New Zealand once they've been through the visa process. Yep. Yep. So that's another yeah, yeah, common use okay. case that we're seeing. Oh, that's quite right
1: interesting. Now. And are there any um, clients that you can you know tell us about? I'm, I mean, I'm picking. There's, there'll be quite a leaning towards sort of startups who are needing to hire a lot of talent at, at pace. Would be one of the. You know, one of the mm. areas, but probably a, a bit of a mix. So you, can you tell us a little bit about who those types of businesses are and, and any examples that you can share?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, New Zealand and looking at our customer base here, predominantly uh, technology businesses. We're seeing a real variety from startups to scale-ups to more mature technology businesses here. But Uh, an organisation that comes to mind is Lawview. And what's interesting about the use case is they're leveraging Deal to address talent shortfalls here in New Zealand. So hiring technology-based hires, and not only just as full-time employees, they're also giving uh, their talent abroad optionality and employing them as contractors as well, based on what their preferences are. And the use case for them is to address a talent shortfall. They've been through a, a lengthy recruitment process here and certain types of hires they can't find, so they're left with no other option but to consider the global talent pool, mm. and mm. this has significantly expanded their options, but also democratizes job opportunities for talent abroad as well. So it's a win-win.
1: Yeah, oh, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean we've we've got some we've got some incredible
1: startups, and certainly um, you know Law is one that, that many will be will be familiar with, and yeah, I certainly keep keep hearing it, uh, you know, cross startups, cross tech firms, but you know, a range of. A range of firms, as their uh, yeah their challenges with being able to get the talent that they need um, locally, and also those that have that have been impacted through uh, you know resignations during this this period the um, the great resignation yeah. uh, terms sort of being kicked around out there and uh, you know interesting hearing the different challenges and the different stories uh, and I mean in many ways it puts our puts our our, our local organizations are at risk if we don't manage to address it and you know as much as we can uh, hiring locally uh, mm. is, is really really good but it doesn't always fit and um, some businesses and we've had this happen um, you know my own business during um, you know between lockdowns and so on where we where we saw uh, in one case somebody had you know want to head back overseas yeah it was uh, you know that that creates its own sort of challenge mm. in terms of well, if you want to keep employing them, what does that look like? So, uh, yeah, nice, nice to know that the uh, the options are, are getting uh, mm. are getting a little bit easier. And where do you sort of see deal going over the over the years ahead? When I think of companies that have that you know you can hire contractors and and, and staff through as kind of a an an in between layer, you know, it probably does vary a little bit in terms of what their what their service offerings mm. are. You know, you're expecting to sort of grow what uh, what's available in the in the market through through deal in terms of those those services and capabilities?
0: Innovation is always top of mind for us here. Um, we began as a solution that supported contractors around the globe. That's evolved into supporting full-time employees as well. The next iteration of deal will be standalone global payroll, because in many of the cases, when an organization's leverages employee of record to hire people overseas, mm. there is a certain turning point where it makes more sense for them to incorporate and to hire those employees directly. Yep. Yep. And we, we offer a standalone payroll solution to support that moving forward so they don't have to change payroll systems. Beyond that, we're always continuing to think about the new challenges that organizations need to solve for. Things like office space, for example, remote hardware stack, Yes, we can provide you with a platform to compliantly hire and pay contractors and employees around the globe, but have you thought about where are they going to work? Do you need an office space solution? Are they going to be hybrid? Are they going to be working fully remote? Alongside that, what remote and hardware stack do they need to be able to do their jobs effectively? So these are components that will be introduced over the coming months. We recently announced the acquisition of Pay Group, which is an ASX listed uh, company, and that will be finalised early November, but also acquiring a uh, an organisation called LegalPad, and what they do is they help with visas, so visa processing in the US, which is you know, extremely important and difficult to navigate as well. So constantly thinking about the ways that we can iterate and evolve with the products to make worldwide workforce a uh, reality, and that's really our vision here at Dealers, to get millions of people around the world working for the best companies, irrespective of their location. You know, talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And location should not get in the way of somebody landing their dream job. Nor should it get in the way of an organisation finding the best candidate for the role as well. So, I think this would be the the next evolution of globalisation, the democratization of of job opportunity.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh, it seems seems uh, seems like a really disruptive business, mm. and it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, how things sort of flow out and evolve certainly seems to have been uh, moving very very quickly and you know I guess you know we've we've seen that with uh, you know with a range of sort of you know tech startups that have that have grown very very quickly the Ubers and Airbnbs of this mm. world so um, yeah always always fascinating to watch uh, you know to watch that journey and um, we'll be you know looking forward to uh, to following that that growth story. Um, what was the, the figure in terms of what's the, the current sort of valuation of the, uh,
0: of the business? Yeah, Deal's currently valued at $5.5 billion and uh, Series D, Series D valuation. So I think what's uncommon about the valuation is the amount of time it's taken us to get to this point. Like we spoke about, Deal was founded back in 2019 and over the past three and a half years, we've scaled to a $5.5 billion valuation once again I think is a reflection of the global acceptance of remote work and the evolving acceptance of work from anywhere Mm. Um, and I think you know access to new technologies like Zoom and Slack and also Deal um, makes it even more acceptable and possible for people to work from anywhere so I think looking into the future the future's bright for us here at Deal Um, we will continue to evolve the offering to address new challenges that our customers face for sure, um, but yeah, a lot of hard work to get to this point. There's a lot of hard work ahead of us as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, now, for um, anyone who's kind of you know curious, I and mean, well, okay, um, you know, we, we would like to investigate this a little bit more. How you know, how hard is is are the processes that um, you know folks need to jump through, uh, you know, if they do want to uh, want to look at, at using. Uh, deal services or comparing deal to you know other offerings that uh, that might mm. be out there in the market um, what are the hoops how hard is it to actually you know go go through the process of um, you know being at a on on board uh, you mm. know somebody through your platform
0: yeah sure so I, I'd say if, if there's anybody out that is looking to expand into a new country or maybe relocate an employee from New Zealand to another country or maybe to address a talent shortfall here in New Zealand and has found an amazing candidate that you'd like to hire overseas. Here at Deal, the process is very simple. Uh, signing up for an account is, is free and you can create a contract, issue that contract, onboard the employee and hire them. Uh, and that process can, t- can be done within 10 minutes through a single interface. So we've productized that whole workflow, which can take months and months and months of work if you don't have the in-house resource. Here at Deal, you can sign up for an account and get up and running pretty much immediately. And the, the, uh, our, our solution is built on delivering a seamless experience, not only for our clients, but also the end user, the, the employee or contractor as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And um, Deal, just
0: dot lcom right? That's where where folks can go to to find you. Correct, yep, Yep. deal.com, D-E-E-L.com. And I'd say for anyone out there that's exploring global hiring for the first time and does not know where to start, we recently published our global hiring toolkit, which will give you oversight and insight into, you know, what are the legal and payroll obligations that I need to consider before I decide, yes, I'm going to hire this person. You can compare one country to another. We've also got a global hiring guide that speaks to all of the – you know, benefits and payroll obligations that are required uh, for that particular jurisdiction. So it's a great starting point if you are exploring global hiring for, for the first time. And of course, we're always available for a conversation as well. Yep. So you're, you're probably reachable on LinkedIn, are you? Reachable on LinkedIn, reachable yep. via email, yep. uh, reachable via my own team here across yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. So there's a few different avenues for sure.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Mm. Well, all the best, uh, you know, for expansion in New Zealand.
0: Thank you, that's Paul. Great. Appreciate the time.
1: Yeah. Um, anything else we've missed? Anything we wanted to uh, squeeze in there?
0: No, I think I think we've covered it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, yeah
1: that's great. It. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for listening in to the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Uh, thanks, Shannon, for for joining us, um, and of course, thank you to our show partners: uh, Vodafone, uh, Spark, Two Degrees, HP, Guerrilla Technology, uh, and now Deal. So, uh, yeah, thanks everyone. Catch you next week.
0: Thank you, Paul. Pleasure to be here.